Okay, it is September the 1st, 2022. There's just a handful of guys tonight. We're sitting in the living room. If the acoustics are different than what you're used to, I uh, just spoke to Ray. He's uh, having some trouble with uh, sinus problems and associated uh, issues to, to that. So he's on the prayer list. We're praying for Charles and Marta. Uh, Charles uh, got diagnosed with pneumonia and that uh, that'll soon clear up for him and that he can just get plenty of rest and have peace in his heart that God's going to take care of everything. Uh, our friend Gary for continued healing. Our podcast uh, and Bible study uh, listeners John and Ruby and <coughs> Vassie and Linda always keep them on here. Chuck Knipp and his daddy children and grandchildren, our extended family members, George Weiser, George Weiser Jr. and Joe also, and um, the other request that John has put on here, I don't have good lighting to see what I'm trying Salvation. to Salvation. Salvation. And then praying for this nation, that God's will be done, we just say that. Praying for our military, and we're doing some heavy duty helicopter things last night over the town here and down toward uh, Drill Retreat. There were Ospreys in the air, but I think there were some other choppers too. Somebody showed a picture of Blackhawk. Um, new business and prosper and grow. You need to add anything to the list, babe? Um, you, you put Marta and Charles. I did, absolutely. First, in fact. And um, family members and children and grandchildren of, of Mark's. Um, praying for Ray and Eric and Rex. Talked to Rex yesterday. He came by, right? Oh, is that right? Yeah, I hadn't seen him in a long mm -hmm. time. He's hanging in there. Uh, Ted, Reverend Davis, and I uh, did speak to him on the phone. and uh, They're going along all right. Uh, they told him he has COVID. I said, what are your symptoms? He said, well, I don't have any symptoms. So, well, he's already had it before. Yeah, and vaccine too. So, you know, this is, this is a big scam. I'm telling you what, it's the biggest PSYOP ever pulled on humanity. Uh, but anyway, the rest of the Reverend Davis and his family, uh, praying again for our country, praying for President Trump that they won't be able to railroad him that God would protect him from from the demons and the evil one and protect his family unsafe family members we all have them we pray for them all uh, Bob and uh, his children Stephanie and Mike for salvation um, and the uh, pray for our country and the people that are supposed to be leading us, and that uh, pray for the water situation out west, and, uh, for this situation in the Ukraine to be brought to a conclusion, and Lord, in accordance with your will. I remember our friend Marco's uh, salvation for his son. I'm going to put him on the list because he looks at this. <laughs> And uh, let's bow our heads. And Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this assembly. I just pray again for Ray that he could be uh, restored and, and be able to do okay. Guide us tonight as we study together, as we discuss your word and the things we find in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Pass this Bible around. That one's for us. Okay. I'm going to use my cyber Bible here. Um, I've been listening to the uh, radio shows from back in the uh, 40s and early 50s and really enjoying it. And um, 
just the difference in what has happened in America for sure, and I'm sure other parts of the world. Uh, it's uh, kind of heartbreaking in a way what we have lost. And I want to uh, go to Genesis chapter 2. shows it's the Lux uh, radio hour some of them mysteries some of them's comedy some of them just dramas yeah. um, I like that so much I put it in our Bang Steel podcast I put a clip in there uh, this, this lady she'd fallen in love with her boss she was a secretary and she was very bossy and very controlling uh and he was kind of standoffish because of it. But he did care for her. And through a series of ups and downs and all sorts of events, like most stories of that time period, it ended on a positive and happy, happy ever after note. But uh, they get married. And... Um, he said something about, uh, are you going to keep on being bossy? And she says, do you see this thing I'm wearing? This is a skirt. From now on, your word is law. Now, for the feminists to hear that today, they'd go ballistic. They'd go ballistic. But for the time period, and it ought to be the same way now, that is how things ought to be. There can't be two bosses. There can't be two pilots and no co-pilot. People arguing over which way to steer the aircraft, for instance. Um, and is that a bad thing for women? It's absolutely not. And I'll, um, I'll, I'll go over some Bible verses that, that we can kind of discuss and realize the, the proper thing, the proper role in a marriage. Now, God invented marriage. It's not an institution of man. God invented marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. I will make him a helpmate for him. So, uh, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. He let Adam make that decision. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmate for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So God invented the institution of marriage. Uh, the United States Supreme Court says a constitutional right for a man to marry a man, or a woman to marry a woman. Um, in the eyes of the government, perhaps, in the eyes of an individual state. They're not married in the eyes of God. You cannot make light of the institution of marriage because we're going to find out later what it's really a picture of. And, um, but, you know, you've got people that want to do this. And these are not sanctified marriages. This is just more or less a government contract. God doesn't honor a man. It's called abomination is what it's called. It is. 
Well, let's look now at Proverbs chapter 12. We're just going to grab a verse here and a verse there. Um, Proverbs 12. Verse 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. It, I will never understand how I could have gotten so lucky and so blessed beyond measure. When I see people that I know, men that I know are better than me, didn't get what I did. It makes me sad for them and it humbles me all the way to my the core of my soul. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. I did have a wife before Christian, and that, that proverb is true. All of them are true, as we know. Uh, we're in the Proverbs, go to 31. Everybody's familiar with Proverbs 31. <coughs> Verse 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That is a good wife. Now, other than Christian in there in the kitchen, probably hearing some of this, we are uh, all men sitting in here. And I can tell you that there are all kinds of women out there saying, where is this good man? Of all ages, into their 90s even, where is this good man that I could be this Proverbs 31 wife to? Satan hates the institution of marriage. And he divides people and he stirs up divorce. And if he can infiltrate or inhabit with any of his demons one party or the other in a marriage, he will do that. He will do that. Now the thing about a demon in another <coughs> person, that demon has to be commanded out of that person verbally, out loud. This is one of those things that God has given us the authority to do. The authority through Christ over evil spirits. If a marriage is failing, and it's very clear that one party is the one who has devils in them, it could be both of them. They could both have devils in them. But... These need to be commanded out verbally. Not only that, but the person has to turn and repent when that devil is gone. The King James calls them devils. Uh, more later translations say demons. We know what they are. Well, actually, many people don't know what they are. They're not fallen angels. A fallen angel can manifest a body. A fallen angel can look like anything it wants to. The old American Indians, Native Americans, talked about those shapeshifters. And it was just too widespread for it to be some kind of a myth that somebody got drunk and made up. A fallen angel can manifest as a, anything it, it wants to look like. A demon has no body. That's why it goes about, as Jesus said, through arid places looking for a place to... Uh, to uh, settle Inhabit. into. Inhabit. There you go. That was the word I was groping for. But he also said if you cast out this demon, it'll go through arid places. I didn't mark that verse, but you can look it up yourself. 
looking for a place of rest, another body to inhabit. And not finding any, it comes back to the one it was cast out of and brings seven more with it, he said. And it'll get in. They'll get back in. If that person doesn't have a no vacancy sign posted, which is that person has not received the Holy Spirit of God, they'll get back in. A spirit-filled, born-again Christian cannot be possessed of demons. The Holy Spirit won't allow it, and they can't stand it. You're the smell of death to them. You remind them what they are. They might get around you, take little passes at you like a sweat bee trying to bother you. If you're a born-again believer in Christ, one of the ways a demon can get at you is he gets into someone you love and torments you with this person that you love. And he gets a leg up on you that way. But you see this, you command this thing out loud in the name of Jesus Christ, you spirit of division, you spirit of divorce, you spirit of gossip, you spirit of adultery, you fornicating spirit, you spirit of addiction, Get out in the name of Jesus. And it has to, and it will. Now it's up to that person whether they'll take it back in. But um, this is what you deal with in even work relationships. Somebody's got a demon. And they kind of lay low until the time comes to strike, and then they do. And then they gossip. And then they backbite and backstab, and God only knows what. So, um, continuing on, really discussing the relationship of a man and a woman, uh, we see in Hebrews 13 and 4, we may not go real long on this study. I don't know if some of you guys want to talk to. Uh, we will certainly do that. That verse, Hebrews 13 and 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. There are people out there, men and women both, men and women both. If you're a man, you think they're all women. If you're a woman, you think they're all men. But they are hell-bent on breaking up marriages. Homewreckers, you've heard that, right? They don't even want to go for a, an unattached person. Strange. They want somebody that's wearing a wedding band. And they want to entice that person into breaking their marital vow and being an adulterer. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. This is a man and a woman. And we're going to see here in a bit exactly why that is. God invented it this way. 1 Peter chapter 3 probably try a couple different verses out of 1 Peter 3. The first verse of 1 Peter 3 says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be one, by the conversation of the wives. In King James, the conversation meant the way of life, how she is living her life. <coughs> this happened with me. I wasn't really saved when I married Christian. I wasn't trying to be deceptive. I just did not understand what being a Christian even meant. And you've all heard my testimony about how that was how I spent a handful of years after we married a false convert. But the way she led her life, 
and the way she read her Bible all the time, and the way that she prayed, ultimately, it had its effect on me. And I began to get closer, closer to the truth, closer to salvation. Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now in verse 7, well let me read, let me just read more. I'll read straight through at verse 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel. Okay. <laughs> this is one of the most misinterpreted verses in Scripture. And these uh, Neanderthal Baptists, they, they, as Forrest once called them by accident, was, uh, what was it, uh, primitive, primitive Baptists. They say that uh, women can't wear jewelry. They can't plait their hair and so forth. Now that's kind of odd because when, back in Genesis, when... Um, Isaac's servant went out to find him a wife and he found Rebekah when she proved to be the wife for Isaac she got an earring that's what they say but I've studied this it, it was an earring if it was a nose ring it was way too heavy to be walking around with it in your nose based on the weight uh, the NIV says it was a nose ring but uh, uh, and then other translations say earring which is it and I it doesn't really matter. But it you know, doesn't, but you know, I know. are also reported in the, um, in I believe it's Exodus, when they uh, yeah. made the golden calf, they made it out of earrings, earrings and jewelry. Yeah. And, and when they sanctified the earrings, are much more preferable than nose rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they sanctified, when when they gave the uh, order to build the uh, tabernacle. Uh, Moses called from turning their earrings. Yeah, men and women. Yeah, well, and if a person was a slave to a householder, and they were set free, they could say, "I don't want to go. I want to stay. I want to stay with the family. I want to be here." And they would take an awl and, and put a hole in the ear. And I guess men or women alike, they yes. So, uh, oh yeah, I got. It. Jimmy got me exactly that. Anybody need your ear pierced here? Heck yeah. Wow. That'll do the trick. Yeah, it's got my name on it too. Y'all can't see it, Podcast Lamb, but this is something that could star in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> um, so they, they're saying, oh, no jewelry. So, you know, it says, whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair. Okay, you cannot plait hair, Pentecostal gals. And, or of the wearing of gold. You cannot wear gold, Pentecostal, Pentecostal gals. Or of putting on of apparel. You, can, you can't put any clothes on, girls. <laughs> Come on. So, you know, sometimes people trip over their own inability to read you know, reading comprehension may not be a strong suit with everybody. Um, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. What's in her heart? In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. A meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is a great, of a great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers not be hindered. A man's prayers would be hindered if he doesn't honor his wife. Adrian Rogers mentioned uh, the weaker vessel. You know, he said, uh, which which is stronger, a uh, a china teacup 
or a sledgehammer? Well, obviously the sledgehammer. He said, what's more beautiful? Well, the cup. And women are physically, in most cases, weaker. That doesn't mean they're spiritually weaker at all. You know, my wife is far stronger spiritually than I am. And um, we are, as, as men, to honor our wives if we have a wife. They're out there, guys. The, they are out there, possibly sitting around in a study like this one here, saying, where's all the good men? Complaining about it. And it is up to the devil, and he does pony it up, to keep people from finding each other. To keep a godly couple from coming together. But you don't unequally yoke yourself to someone who doesn't believe every word of the Word of God. If they've got clauses and exceptions and they, 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 they play that, well, the Apostle Paul was a chauvinist card. Or you just have to understand how things were done 2,000 years ago. And it's not that way now. I heard a preacher's daughter, I didn't hear it, but I saw what she wrote on Facebook just ranting and raving about not submitting to any man ever. And any man that ever wants her is going to know that right up front. Well, I hope no man gets that woman and gets saddled with that kind of a pig-headed attitude. In our extended family, I have heard the same thing said. Not submitting. Won't submit to my husband. Well, you know what that means? It means you're not submitting to God. So let's see how that works out for you. Let's look at uh, Matthew 19, verses 4 and 6. Four through six, right? Uh, he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Two genders, no more. And said, For this cause... Shall a man leave father and mother? We read this in Genesis, remember? And shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. The two shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. He goes on to explain to some of the disciples that question well, what about this bill of divorcement that Moses allowed well Jesus said this is because of the hardness of your hearts that is not his will at all that people divide and split up two <coughs> spirit filled Christians two born again believers man and woman will never split they will never split up because they are bonded into one in Christ. They'll never come apart. You can't split it. You can split an atom, but you can't split this spirit-filled man and that his spirit-filled wife. The problem is that we have a tendency to play church, uh, put on that church face, Somebody just grabbing your hand and shaking it and how you doing, brother? And just great to see you this Lord's Day morning and on and on and on and then go straight to his house and curse his wife out. I know somebody that's done that. Probably still does it. And he's not the only one. He isn't the only one. They're out there by the millions, I'm sure church face. God sees this. He sees that you don't have salvation. You treat, a man treats his wife like that. Talks down to her. Degrades her. He doesn't have salvation. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. And it works the other way. If she treats him like crap. 
if she says, I'm not going to submit to you, you don't deserve it. I'm not submitting to any man. This is 21st century. Women have fought hard enough to get to where we are right now. I'm not going to backslide all the way back to the days of Apostle Paul. That's not a Christian woman speaking. That is not a born-again woman speaking. And if she says that, that is 100% irrefutable proof that she doesn't belong to Jesus Christ. She might say everything that it takes to convince most people, but that's a litmus test right there. She doesn't belong to Christ. First Corinthians eleven. Eleven. Yes, first Corinthians eleven. <clears throat> now he talks about a woman praying with her head covered or uncovered. Now this is a big debate. Some women say, I'm just going to err on the side of caution and wear a scarf. It's pretty clear that her hair is given to her as a covering, as long as she doesn't shave her head. Um, he's, Paul's saying if she doesn't wear a covering, then it's the same thing as being shorn. But then he says in verse 15, But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. She doesn't cut her hair, she has a covering. She does cut her hair, she's going to need one, to pray. She covers her head to pray. The man uncovers his head. He doesn't pray with his head covered. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pick a couple of places out here in 1 Corinthians 11. Um, He says um, that Christ is the head of the man. Now, this is in verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God, even Christ himself. The visible image of the living God is subordinate to God the Father. He is God. He's the visible image. See, we were created in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. We have a body and a soul and a spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 26, I think it is. God has a body and a soul and a spirit. God's body is Jesus Christ. Your mind, which is the parallel to God the Father, your mind puts your body in submission. Your body submits to the mind. That's why Jesus said, if you could take this cup away from me in the Garden of Gethsemane. If there be any other way, take this away. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, how is it that a woman could be comfortable with that? Well, why shouldn't she be? If, if, her, if her husband is not in submission to Christ then that chain leading back to God the Father breaks right there. And you can just toss the whole Bible out right there because you can't stand on one verse and not stand in obeyance to the others. Why do you think we don't do that? <clears throat> Why does a man not do it? Well, no, what women pray, but they don't cover. If they have long hair, they're covered. That's in um, that that verse uh, is fifteen. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Um, but if a woman wants to wear a hat or a veil or something like that, that's fine. You know, I got water baptized. I think that kept, would have kept me out of heaven if I hadn't been immersion baptized. I don't, but it's just something I felt compelled to do. I wanted to do it. So, um, you that's, know. That's your testimony. It is. That's the old man going to the grave and the new man coming out. And people watching. 
yeah. people seeing it. Well, not only that, but if, if you're required to be baptized, wouldn't it be something you have to do? That's right. It would be a work that and, you had to perform. And if you, if denominations say you have to be baptized, some of them. Church of Christ is pretty right. bad about it. Okay, were yeah. you saved before you were baptized or after? Oh, the, the Church of Christ would say you question. don't you receive yeah. the Holy Spirit of water baptism because Jesus came up out of the yeah. water and the Holy Spirit descended. So they say that's how it works for everybody. And they got a huge problem in Acts yeah. chapter ten. At the end of Acts ten, um, was it Cornelius? The family in question there, they received the Holy Spirit, even spoke in another language, and then Peter said. Well, you see, they've received the Holy Spirit. Uh, what's to prevent them? Where's the water? What's to prevent them from being baptized? Mm -hmm. So he wanted to go. Same with Philip and the uh, eunuch from. Uh, That's also Africa, Acts. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, the Bible is complex, many faceted, but it all works together. Mm -hmm. And if you have a doctrine, and your doctrine is just buzzing along like nice and smooth and you hit a speed bump as you read through the word you hit a massive speed bump you don't pretend it wasn't there you stop and look and say do I need to adjust my truth model to go along with what the Bible says I can answer that for you yeah you do you, your truth model should never have anything that's not in line with the Bible. We were talking about a local pastor who teaches that the Bible preaches against alcohol. It does not. I could show him a dozen verses that he would have a big problem explaining. We can't do that because when we do that and somebody is sitting there and they say, well, I saw this verse and this verse and this one. And it looks to me like uh, the wedding at Cana, a fellow come up and said, you know, most people just serve the really good stuff first and then they serve the bad stuff after men are well drunken. But you've saved the best for last. Well drunken, look up the Greek. That means drunk. That was wine that you could get drunk on. And Jesus made it. Now, he didn't cause anybody to sin. If they got drunk, they sinned on their own. It's, it's not wrong to have enough to be merry, but you have to really be careful. Now, if you're someone who gets a little too close to the edge and then just falls hard, the best thing to do is just deny it to yourself. And these, these pastors could easily say, you know, in our church, I don't say that, that, that smoking is a sin, and I don't say that having a beer after you mowed your yard is a sin. It's not a sin to do that. But just for us, just in our congregation, in our fellowship, we do discourage it because we've seen some people have some really bad problems. And leave it at that. But don't try to make the Bible say something it doesn't say. All right. Where were we going next? I think to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, now as believers in Christ, uh, pick up verse 19, speaking to yourselves, in other words, one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Talk about false doctrine penned on half a verse. There was, there was the Church of Christ down toward Rule Retreat. Well, we don't play instruments. God says you can't have instruments. Oh, I know. <laughs> Where does it say? God says to sing and make melody in your heart. Okay, so there's not even a piano in that place. I'd hate to hear some of the singing that goes on there. But um, obviously they haven't read the Psalms, 149 and 150. Stringed instruments, clashing cymbals, horns. Praise God with these instruments. How do you fellowship with somebody who will simply not listen to the word of God itself. They'd rather listen to some corrupted, ill-trained, so-called minister from some theological cemetery, seminary. They'd rather listen to that dude 
You know, and I had a member of the group here. Well, you know, uh, you really need to be need to be trained. You need you need to have proper training. You need to go to you know these places. There's no better you know teacher than the Holy Spirit. First John two twenty seven says you don't need anybody to teach you. You've got the Holy Spirit to teach you. You don't need some alphabet boy and these these guys that like to call themselves doctor doctor i'm a doctor of theology so i'm doctor so-and-so and doctor so you know uh now they get their doctorate i get that dr charles stanley he never says i'm doctor he they call him out on his show but he doesn't say i'm this doctor this that's the problem with denominations because once you're cranked into a, a denomination if you vary from that denomination there's consequences in that denomination, in that yeah. Denomination, They're like, I just come in a cardo. Yeah, well, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't blend in with the, with the up the gaps in the. Right. In the, well, I, you know, I don't want to blend in with anybody that's, well, that's living against what the word. I know, but what I'm yeah. saying is that's the problem. Yeah, know? yeah. They cannot go against what the church in general, their denomination is teaching. If they do. They're outcasts. Right? But, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul cuts right in with these divisions, these denominations. He says right. it's not supposed to be like this. Now, mm -hmm. once you really grow in Christ to a certain point, not that any of us have attained it. Paul said he hadn't. I better not think I have. But once you get to a certain point, you become less and less denominational. A lot of times when I'll, I'll ask somebody, What's your, what kind of denominational bent, what, what are you associated with? If they say I don't follow a denomination, you know, I know that they're probably more advanced in the faith than somebody that says, Well, I'm a Methodist. I'm Baptistic. Baptistic. <laughs> Baptocostal. Remember that guy that day forced in one of the classes we was over at Bowen's? Oh my goodness. I said, Are are you a Christian? He said, Well, Yes, I'm, I am. I'm a Methodist, but now I'm not born again or anything like that. <laughs> How sad. I'm a Methodist, I'm not born again or anything. But he's probably telling the truth right there. We had a Catholic priest over there at Truck Stop Ministries one day. And I asked him, I said, are you a born again person? He says, well, we don't like to use that word. I said, well, Jesus used it. Yeah. Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Well, you'll never be back. I, I, I well, that's the way it ought to be. I mean, if he had his way, he'd went in there and had everybody praying a rosary. That's right. You know. Uh, when I asked him all them things about mortal sin, venial sin, and repetitious prayer, holy days of obligation, you know, that guy, he was dumbfounded. Yeah, well, as, as most of them. That's the trouble, you see. That's how he's taught, and he has to follow that. Or at least try it. to. Plus, he's probably yeah. not uh, a true believer, obviously. And, and um, you know, you don't want to lose your pension. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't want to uh, not get the better church the next time, or the bigger church, you know. So you hear what the Pope's doing right now? Yeah. Tell everybody to pull their money into the Vatican Bank. Yeah. 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 What's by by September third, that's the that pizza for everybody. <laughs> He's telling everybody to get their all the Catholics to put your money in the Vatican bank, get them out of other banks. By the third of that this month, day after tomorrow. I think I'll go ahead and keep my cash. Thanks. I think I'll do that. <laughs> all right, let's let's finish up here. Uh, Ephesians five twenty two. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto, unto the Lord. Uh, feminists hate that. And, you know, and it's so funny how so many preachers won't even preach that. And if they do, they'll say, no, 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 no wait a minute. This is, you know, men, don't get, all, don't, get, don't get all puffed up there now. You know, it says down here, that's and so forth. And that uh, husbands love your wives there. Christ loved the church and gave it for himself. And it says up there, submit yourselves one another and fear God. Verse 21, it's talking about believers in the general congregation. But when it comes to a married couple, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 
Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That's the third time we found that same passage in the Bible. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. <clears throat> Men are told to know in certain terms to love their wives. And then the wives have a, a responsibility too, to submit to her husband. In what? In everything, it says. I've said this before, when Christian submits to me about something, I call it the nuclear option. Because the first thing I think of is, oh my goodness, let me do it. Let me figure out how to give her what she wants. Because I love her. You know, it's like that meme uh, I saw on Facebook that said, my wife wanted guinea pigs. I didn't want any guinea pigs. So we compromised and got 10 guinea pigs. You want to, you, if, you, if you truly love, and I do, babe. You truly love, you don't want her to be deprived of anything. Peacocks and fish yeah. and bees. And yeah. So, and, and what is it? He says, he says, and this is very important. This is a great mystery, verse 32, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He said, I'm talking about Christ and the church here in a marriage. A marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Doesn't he call the church his bride? And we see this same, uh, that he might present it himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, verse 27. Should be holy without blemish. The woman is the picture of the church in the marriage. The man is the picture of Christ in the marriage. That is a huge responsibility for the man. Now, a lot of men are afraid of that responsibility. They're like, well, honey, what do you think we ought to do? I don't know. What do you think? That's why I don't know. I'm asking you. It's good to have a conversation, but the man needs to be in prayer continually. Pray without ceasing, we're told. And then the husband and wife need to agree. If they're both in Christ they will agree, even if it takes her submitting to him. She's like, say, okay, I don't agree that it's good to get 40 guinea pigs, but I'll submit and get 10. That was a little bit of a joke. <laughs> um, or peacocks. Oh, yeah. Well, she's made money with them peafowl. Yeah, big time. Um, so that's, uh, to me, what is wrong in marriage out there is one or the other person is not born again and does not have the Holy Spirit. Which is covered again by Paul. Yes, unequally yoked. Should stay with them. Yeah, the believer should stay. If the unbeliever wants to go, then he says you let them go. Let them go. But uh, make no mistake, there are a lot of lonely women out there, just as many as there are lonely men, who do have the Holy Spirit of God in them and who do want to find someone who has the Holy Spirit, that they can then make a picture of Christ in the church, even if they only live a few years together. They make a picture of Christ in the church, God's institution of marriage. Anybody want to add to or ask questions? Or I don't know how far we're in here, probably. 49 minutes, that ought to be good enough. Good?
Larry, I'm going to point the microphone at you and have you close us. Okay. Just all bow our heads. Mm -hmm. God, we come before you humbly asking you to uh, bless the words we've heard into our hearts, that we'll take these things seriously, even if maybe our situation doesn't call for how we treat our wives. But we know that uh, your message is loud and clear, and perhaps someone that we might meet need counseling. We can counsel correctly out of the Word of God to discourage the split-up of marriages and the disintegration of families and the harm that it comes to children. Lord, we uh, ask that you just help us to follow your Word with all our hearts to uh, submit ourselves to the Lord of glory and help us, Lord, to put away the flesh and be filled with the Holy Spirit at all times, calling on you, who is our ever-present help in time of trouble. Those that are not with us tonight, that usually are, by your blessing upon them. Yes. And we ask, Lord, that you'd give us patience and uh, work that work of patience in us through tribulation and trials that we might know how to deal with the impending doom that we're facing in this world until you take us out. Help us to be your witnesses without compromise in a world that uh, is totally going against you. Thank you for this home. Thank you for Daniel and Chris Forrest for uh, opening the home and providing nice food and meals and, and fellowship. Thank you for Daniel and his Bible study and the effort he puts into it and the truth that he reveals through your word as he's guided along. Thank you for the many years that he's taken this task on and without hesitation. And I pray that you'd bless him and give him an unction to continue an encouragement. Give him your word that he might uh, pass it on, explain it, teach it to all those listening on the podcast or presently here. We just thank you in Jesus' name for what you're going to do, and uh, look forward to your coming. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful.